the way. We wanted men. Welcome to episode 137 of the Smugglers Galaxy Podcast, your favorite Star Wars podcast for smugglers in the galaxy. This weekend, we've got uh, Narayan with us, We uh, and Jason. Jason's here, too. Hi, Jason and Narayan. Hello there. Hey there. Hey, Narayan was just at Celebration, so we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But there's a lot to talk about this week as far as uh, Mandalorian goes and the Ahsoka show and Celebration, more news. And, of course, there's always the Micro Galaxy Squadron. There was a big reveal thing last night on that. So we got a ton of stuff to talk about this week. How are you guys doing this morning? I'm doing well. A little tired, but I'm doing well. I can't complain. <laughs> That's the fun of having teenage daughters, right? Yeah. Doesn't yeah, a lot going on. Yeah, yeah a lot going on. Lot go, what went on last week? Uh, my younger son is going to junior prom today. Oh, so exciting! Yeah, can't wait to see the photos. Yeah, and yeah, I'm I'm pretty exhausted from celebration, but <laughs> it, it was a it was a great time. Um, Dude, you don't sleep during celebration, do you? No, you don't. Not not by choice, but yeah, you just don't. You sleep on the airplane ride there and back, and then that's it. The rest of the week, you're just running on pure adrenaline. Yeah, I don't know how you catch up on on sleep. I'm not sure you ever do, but that's yeah, <laughs> how it is. You can't. You just start feeling better again. Yeah. yeah. So uh, how was you guys' week? Did y'all pick up any? I know, Ryan, you probably picked up a whole bunch of stuff at Celebration. Did uh, you pick anything up, Jason? Uh, n- well, this week I picked up a couple blind packs for Micro Galaxy Squadron. I got the Anakin chase with the speeder, Stap speeder, and a Leia on her speeder bike. So Nice. Um, we can we can tackle Narayan. Narayan, did you pick anything Narayan's up? Narayan's got a laundry than... list of things. Other than Celebration? Um, yeah, there's quite a few pickups, a lot, um, some of which were, um, kind of ongoing deals that were prearranged and, you know, on payment plans and just arranged for pickup. Um, but, um, do you want me to just go over those now or you want to, so, um, do it. Yeah. Um, so it's celebration. I think there was a few big pieces that, um, I picked up, um, the one new piece that had not been prearranged. I'll, I'll do that one first. So it was, um, this was shown to me on setup day, um, which is Thursday. And, uh, it was from Yubnub Up Toys, um, which is run by the moderators of the Echo Base UK group. Um, um, and, uh, Tom Scaife, uh, if you know him, um and um it was a loop trilogo loop jedi um with a blue saber which is a pretty rare piece that i've been looking for for a long time it has never come up for sale um i believe there's like eight out there um in existence you know that are known 
so this one was offered to me, um, you know, so I had a day or two to consider it, um, you know, they, and uh, kind of uh, figure out the price. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to pass that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that one was the big purchase of the, um, of the show for me and uh, pretty much blew my budget um, for so, purchases. So before you leave that is, so the blue the blue lightsaber was packaged early because of the trailer. So is that Trilogo a mistake or is that something that came out super early? So um, what happens with a lot of Trilogo, um, how the, the blue saber ended up on Trilogo cards, it's thought to have been um, overstock baggies that were basically, um, there were a few still remaining with blue sabers that ended up on those cards. Wow. Uh, for the most part, they're they're light green sabers. Um, you know, Palatoy, no uh, country of origin Lukes oh. uh, or Smile Lukes that end up on those cards uh, or Taiwan Lukes, basically. Um, Congratulations. All of those have green sabers, but yeah, rarely uh, a few have shown up with blue sabers, also on Palatoy cards as well as Triangle cards, both of which are really rare. Um, nice. So yeah, that that was a, a huge pickup. Um, did not expect that, and uh, again, something that was right in my wheelhouse, my focus collections. I'm not gonna bat an eye on that one, even despite you know the big price tag. Um, yeah. Um, other, thank you. Um, other things that um, I picked up at the show. Um, Darren Macleese uh, made an early posting during setup day of a custom Harbert fat that was kind of a, dis, you know, more of a custom figure display piece, you know, not meant to look like an actual Harbert fat, which is ultra rare. Um, and, uh, but, you know, looks great for display. And they actually had this piece sealed in acrylic with a, you know, kind of a custom AFA like tag on it. And it was a limited run of 50. Uh, I believe it's all, I think, I think it was the retro figure inside and I believe the, the card is completely custom, but it looks amazing on display. And uh, um, of course not priced like a vintage item, but, um, but so I, I had to pick that up just a great novelty piece. Uh -huh. um, so those are kind of my main kind of just toy purchases of the, the weekend. Um, purchased a few pins and other things from the celebration store that people helped me with. Um, let's go back to just vintage pickups, things that are already kind of arranged and um, was just picking up there. Um, one of the big pieces um, that was involved in a trade that I did was a Dengar Palatoy 45 back um, with the, uh, if, you're, if you're familiar with the SOAC set that we did for the celebration, which involves the Bounty Hunter offer that was exclusive to Palatoy. It has all the kind of... Um, uh, markings of that that particular um, offer with the kind of you know free bounty hunter offer and what's interesting about this piece is dengar is the offer so <laughs> this is essentially a dengar card with a free dengar offer sort of like a num with nine num offer that's that was in like the toll toys australian canadian markets um so it's a kind of a unique piece and also pretty rare so um was able to make a deal to get that piece um, two other pieces which um, I picked up there, uh, a Top Toys Yoda um, from Paul DeSykes um, and a, that, that's a Top Toys Yoda on card. Um, again, super rare piece. Uh, 
and also a Yoda Trilogo Miss card on a Warrock card. Um, that was from Sebastian. And um, yeah, that, that again was something that was uh, prearranged. So um, yeah, very happy with the piece I picked up. Um, two other pieces of note, uh, Matthew uh, Bartolome from France um, that I bought from him, um, a, a Meccano loose Boba Fett, um, as you know, one of the rarest loose variants for Boba Fett. Um, this one was even more unique. It actually had a paint error on the backpack. It's missing blue paint on the backpack. So as you guys know, I collect paint errors as well. So it's a nice rare Fett variant with a rare factory paint out paint error as well. Um, and I also happened to pick up the pre-production run for Ryan Shaw's Slave Leia. Uh, that he made back in the day in the uh, early 2000s. Matthew uh, bought that from him back then from Rebel Scum. He still had the original box that Ryan mailed it in. Uh, so he gave me that box, and this includes the sculpt, the, the hard copy, the uh, uh, all the different mold pieces. And uh, um, so, yeah, I haven't even unwrapped those, but I can't wait to look to see how those look. But that's the entire pre-production run for that Slate Leia. And, and the reason why we're smiling about that set is it's just odd. Ryan lives four or five hours south of us, and you had to go to Europe to buy that set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this was funny. That was one of the first pieces that I ever got to know. But that's how I really got to know Ryan was that first Slave Leia piece. And, um, you know, we never, um, I, I bought one from him back in the day, but never got a chance to meet him until Celebration Orlando. Um, and um, it's kind of come full circle now that uh, I've been able to acquire that, that, you know, it's a custom pre-production. Right, right. So and, 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 one of the and most is, famous customs, yeah. <laughs> vintage style customs there is out there. Right. And, and he's somebody that I'm sure we all three consider a friend. So it's just, kind of, I know he listens to the show. So hi, Ryan. Um yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's just it's funny how things happen where you've got to travel of how 10 hour yeah. plane ride to pick something up yeah and that that's lovely and it was great that he still had the original mailing box that ryan sent and uh and everything so um yeah and ryan has supplemented this pre-production run with a few other pieces in the last few weeks he said <laughs> i'm really gonna pick this up so might as well give you these other things so incredible right. so that was all great awesome um, well, congratulations on the seven Grayella pickups. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, yeah no, um, there was a couple other minor things like hardbacks, but we'll we'll just get on with the rest of <laughs> So it's all uh, pale in comparison. You're right. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, this this is how I would describe celebration. And I was just thinking about this in the last few days. Um, if, if you are familiar with the recent, uh, one of my favorite movies of the last few years, um, the recent best picture winner, um, everything, everywhere, all at once yeah. is a perfect description for celebration Europe. Awesome. Um, it, it, it was like a, um, a barrage of, of, things coming at you from all directions um you know your sensory overload you're trying to do a hundred things at once and you can't be everywhere and you're surrounded by everyone in existence <laughs> and it just is uh um it's 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 amazing people don't just get 
completely overwhelmed by the experience and just, you know, just lose it. Um, and, you know, if you guys know me, you know how organized I am trying to go into these things. Um, you know, it was, this one was very challenging um, to navigate and get through. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I thought I came in prepared, um, but it was, it was a lot. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm comparing this to U.S. celebrations as well. Um, you know, compared to the last few I've gone to, I've never felt this exhausted by just navigating the day-to-day -day flow of, of a celebration. Uh, and that's, that's how it was. Um, and I, again, I don't want to, I don't want to take away any, or, you know, put a lot of negative spin on this, but uh, it was, it was a great experience. It took a lot of work. Uh, and I think anyone that will have come back from celebration, I think will say the same. Well, I think we could start with the challenges and end with the positives. I did hear someone say that uh, they sold too many tickets for the amount of space. And then listening to uh, David Quinn's prototypes and productions podcast, he was talking, someone was talking to Jim Swearingen and you could just hear the crowd and Jim just had to kind of stop. Yeah. And then he could start talking. Yeah. And uh, I think, um, We'll, we'll reference exactly what happened there in that. I, I had a chance to listen to David's podcast, which is wonderful. And you shall take a listen to that. Um, I unfortunately had like a large segment recorded for, for David's podcast. that didn't make it in time. I didn't realize David was going to release it literally the day after I arrived. Mm. Um, so I couldn't send my uh, um, recording. And it was like a 10 minute recording in time um, because of the Wi-Fi issues there. But um yeah, so let's let's start with um, you know first of all it's an overseas celebration um, so you know obviously it's you have to deal with jet lag you have to deal with the travel you have to deal with getting your luggage and whatever you're bringing over there and you know planning ahead as to what you can actually bring back um, and then um, you know a completely for me the first overseas celebration I've been to so unfamiliar territory. Uh, I've been to London before, but not been to Excel before. Um, the convention centers laid out a lot differently than a lot of US convention centers. It's one long building and with two entrances, you know, the West entrance and the East entrance. And it's about, if nobody was in the building, it's about a 20 minute walk from end to end. Wow. Um, and there are two halls, a north and south hall, straddling each side of a large boulevard, in, you know, an indoor boulevard, which has all the fast food stalls and seating areas and so forth. And, you know, unlike, you know, just let's do Anaheim for comparison, that's one big hall, you know, and you have a hallway outside and you can directly go outside from that hallway. And there's multiple entrances and exits in Anaheim. Here, once you got in, and initially I was able to get into the east entrance, which was great because it was right next to my hotel, which was on the east, but the main entrance was on the west. And after about a day or two, they closed off the east entrance, you know, to come in, and you could still exit that way. But at that point, there's no walking areas around the Excel. You have to take a train from the east side to the west. This is basically one train stop, but Annoying if you're carrying things in for setup and everything each day to get on a train to do it and then get you know to the west entrance. 
that sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, because- well, I had an exhibitor pass, which, you know, makes a hundred things easier. But still, if you don't, if you, if you have a normal pass, you still have to deal with the cues, which right. I didn't have to deal with on a daily basis. But even without that, you know, I'm carrying a lot of stuff every day in my backpack and other bags and bringing things in, you know, to get from my hotel, to get on the train stop, get on the next stop, come off, then get onto the main, you know, the, the, uh, the exhibitor entrance and then walk. You still have to walk about 10 minutes to get to where the halls are. And, uh, and the one thing I would say is having two exhibit halls across the hall from each other sounds, doesn't sound bad initially, but when both those halls empty into a central boulevard, that central boulevard is super packed. So there's mm-hmm. really no escape. Once you get out of those exhibit halls, you got you're back into a huge crowd with the escape exits all, all the way at the end. The fire hazard. And yeah. So it it there were times, especially on Friday and Saturday, it felt like you were riding a wave of people. Um, wow. where you were just, you know, you were just moving as they were moving and you just kind of went with the flow because you couldn't literally make a path. Wow. Um so I got most of my things done before hours, at least, you know, shopping things or, you know, looking around. Um, because once the show started at 10, it was, it was a, there was no breathing room in some, in some point, in some places. Um, and the fact I was looking forward to panels, collecting track panels or the, some of the main panels or special events like the prisoner run and the Laurel hood run to actually escape some of that because you actually had some space and, you know, just some time to just settle in and breathe and just catch up. Um, you know, Wi-Fi access was okay. It wasn't great. There were times when it was, you know, not, non-existent um, you know, or just there were just too many people online and you just couldn't but it, It's like that at every con, though. I mean, I, I, I never count on Wi-Fi. I mean, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's like that everywhere, though. You you can't say you know use that necessarily as a negative, because like I said, every show you've got thousands of people trying to use Wi-Fi and it never works right. Sure, no, that's for sure. Um, but even to just check and see where you need to be at a certain point, I had a lot of volunteer shifts, both in the collecting track and with the American Star Wars Coalition group, and you know it's hard to keep track of time. And so, oh yeah, so that's uh. You know, and people are mess. I, I, you know, me. I'm getting a hundred messages on my, you know, at, at yes. And so to keep up with any of that, you know, was impossible. Um, but again, um, I managed. Um, I again, I came in fairly organized, and if I didn't, I think I would have been lost mm. pretty quickly in there. But, I mean. But- um- Sorry, go ahead, Jason. You go. Right, fine, I will. That's that's what people love about our show. We're always stepping on each other and apologizing. Uh, I didn't apologize. It just said you go. Oh, fine, I will. <laughs> Sorry. 
Great oh, job. you're good, man. How did uh I just apologize. That's the joke. <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> I, did that I guess purpose. my question, I mean, you've been to a bunch in the US and you've been to this is your first one overseas. Uh I mean the jet lag. We didn't it wasn't too bad a jet lag in California because we were able to I was able to battle it pretty quick because you just say, you know, F it and you stay up late and then you sleep and you can catch up. Um how how was it battling all that, you know, in going to England? Yeah, I mean, you're so driven by your adrenaline during these things that like you just you just manage. I mean, to yeah. be honest, I mean, I was lucky to be um, on an overnight. I was on an overnight flight on Wednesday, and um, actually had a lot of miles credits, and I was like decided, you know what, I really need to sleep <laughs> because I know I won't sleep. So I decided to upgrade my seat and that was the best decision I made all weekend. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, had a reclining seat, uh, not, not the full bed seat, but a, a pretty nice reclining seat with good meals that they didn't disturb you every other, you know, every other hour. And I was literally able to get, you know, five, six hours of sleep on that plane fight, which really helped. Um, because I knew as soon as I was getting off, I was going straight to set up and, you know, straight to Thursday night and the next day celebration going to start. So, um, you know, once you arrived, it's run, 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 run. And, uh, oh, yeah. just, uh, you know, going all, you know, all cylinders. And, um, yeah, it takes a bit to certainly get used to jet lag, but again, you don't, since you're not really, you're so excited about seeing friends again and being in a new place um you you just you just you just kind of power through um <laughs> you know it i definitely um glad i built in a day at the end after celebration was over to kind of uh you know just you know for sightseeing or just basically just catching up on sleep mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that was that was actually really smart uh to do that and not come back immediately yeah and i've, uh, I've- I've learned real quick, especially with California, that you if if you're going to a place you've never been, you need to build in a couple of days for sightseeing because you're going to kick yourself for not yeah. being able, not going see stuff. Yeah, I wish I could go out to the uh, Death Valley with you guys. It looked like a blast. Yeah, and uh, yeah. On that note, I mean, one this one of the unique things, and I think Dan Uthman, who I spent a lot of time with this celebration, um, um, made it made this point of this on David's David Quinn's podcast was one of the cool things about the location of this celebration is it was actually very close to a lot of filming locations, especially for Rogue One and Andor. And if you really had time, you could visit Takodana uh, and a few other places, I think from Force Awakens, um, you know, that were you know, a little further out from London, but you could, um, you know, if you had time visit those places. So it's actually a great you know, not a great celebration that you could have, you know, visit a lot of locations if you had the time. Uh, but as it is, you know, there's a couple were just a few s- subway stops away and um, were pretty easily done. And I was able to do those on the, the Tuesday after celebration. Those guys actually did it Thursday morning before I arrived. Um, but um, really amazing to see, um, you know, and easy to find um, shots um, from, from Rogue One and Andor. Uh, in those areas. Amazing. So shifting to the positive, 
you got to uh, hang out with Chris Reif. Can you share that story with Hasbro? I thought that was a pretty cool story. Yeah. So um, I I knew of Chris Reif because, um, you know, um, he was um, actually had worked with um, Jim Swearingen, Tom Osborne, and uh, Tim Effler at at Soda, Um, you know, after those guys had left Kenner. And uh, I think he had worked on like the Riddell mini helmets, actually was the main designer on those. And of course, those guys recently at Toyland mentioned his name to me. Um, and he's been you know, at Hasbro Design for quite a bit, um, but never really had a chance to cross paths with him. And so um, uh, I didn't even know whether he was going to be at the booth this time. Um, but I ran into Chris Trevulius at the uh, collecting track on setup day. And he mentioned to me he had run into Chris Reif downstairs, not downstairs, but in the, in the, um, in the exhibit hall and they got to talking and he mentioned that Chris was actually had been looking into doing a Gargan coin at one point, um, you know, literally. And then, and Chris of course mentions like, Oh, you know, there's these two guys, two collectors actually made one and they're passing it out at this celebration. Uh, of course, you know, being me and Mark Huber. Um, and so he mentioned to Chris Reif, he's like, yeah, um, you know, this, these guys are were doing this coin. And so when Chris saw me, he's like, oh, make sure you see Chris Reif at the Hasbro booth. I told him about your Gargan coin. And, uh, you know, he was thinking about doing one, but uh, I told him you had already made one. So, you know, I'm sure he, he'd be very excited to receive it. And, um, and you know, as, as I mentioned all about celebration and kind of navigating the exhibit hall during normal show hours, um, I missed him probably two or three times on the first couple of days. Finally got a chance to connect with him on Saturday. Uh, he was at the booth the same time I was. Um, and uh, we got a chance to talk um, for a bit, um, you know, just about a lot of different things and especially about the Gargan coin. Um, and of course gave him, gave him the swag that we made there. And he was so excited to see it, um, you know, so, uh, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more with, with Chris Reif and uh, glad I got a chance to finally meet him. So just to clarify, when you said he was looking into making the coin, I don't know if you could share this. Is it professional or personal? You know, I'm not sure I, I asked him exactly. I, um, I don't know whether he actually planned to make that for Hasbro um, or, or personally, to be honest, but I think he wanted to make it through Osborne. Um, in which case, I'm not sure because Hasbro hasn't used Osborne for their right. products, so maybe it was a personal thing. But um, uh-huh. well, one of these days, maybe we'll we'll have him on an interview and we can ask him to elaborate on that exact thing that he wanted to do. Um, so, um, but yeah, that's an interesting concept if he was going to do it for Hasbro. Um, yeah. But I, I hate to put him on the spot and. Oh yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I don't know exactly what he had planned there, but uh, it was. I just, don't want to uh, get him in trouble. Yeah. So, oh, come um, on, Jason. Let's get him in trouble. You can get him in trouble because you have uh, inclination have that, for trouble. Yes. Danger's your maker. middle name. Exactly. Um, With a lowercase d. Anyway. <laughs> um, Ryan, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to ask, and I think this is just maybe helpful for me, and maybe people want to know this. So, you had mentioned seeing a lot of people that you you've met online, a lot of people you haven't seen in a long time. Um, so how do you get to know people overseas? You know, is it just 
participating in the the echo base kind of stuff and then meeting them for the first time like what how do you how did you i guess kind of saturate into that international collecting community well a lot of them you know they um you know the great thing about celebrations is you know people come from everywhere and you know we're very fortunate to have a lot of international collectors visit domestic celebrations so i think it starts there um at least started there for me um you know whenever i've met people at room sales or collecting track events or other other things you just get to know people bit by bit over multiple events um and then you you know you make friends with them on facebook and you get to know them online of course you join their you know the the uh, international based Facebook groups, um, you know, both in the UK, Echo Base being a big one, Java's Court, another one. Um, you know, of course, um, we've gotten to know some Spanish collectors who visited Atlanta, Fernando, and uh, he has a circle of friends there in Spain that um, he introduced me to online, but I had a chance to meet for the first time here, uh, Daniel Cubero and Javier Florencio Suarez. Um, and they were there, a lot of, you know, German collectors that I'd met, um, some at previous celebrations like Thorsten Greth, um, but a few new ones like Marcus Salgert, I met here, Sebastian Sakula, and, um, a lot of Australian collectors as well. Um, uh, of course, Mark Salati, I've known for a while as a coin collector, but Pat O'Brien, um, I met for the first time, but we've known each other for you know, quite a long time. Uh, online so you you just you know the online community you you have a lot of overlap between a lot of international collectors and u.s collectors and uh you know certainly had transactions you know for pieces with them but also just have discussed collecting topics over you know the last few years uh you know as years um it's natural to kind of become friends and you just talk over different topics and it began online. And now I'm very blessed to have met a lot of these people, um, you know, at previous celebration then at this one. And, uh, you know, it just, it just tightens those bonds. So it's, it's, um, um, that's an amazing thing. And I, I'm pretty sure some of these people may never make it to a U.S. celebration. So it's, it's a, it's an amazing thing when you can have that personal time face to face with them. Um, and, you know, you're seeing them in their home soil in some cases. So it's uh, um, it's a lot different than meeting them even when they're, when they're here. Of course, they're dealing with the same challenges I dealt with when I went over to the UK. You know, they have to deal with jet lag and all the difficulties of getting here. Mm-hmm. So it's nice when they're a little more relaxed, you know. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they can show you around and how to yeah. navigate the different things like pubs and bars and and the, the landscape of, of London. Um uh, as well so it's uh it's it's a lot of fun so um what was the coolest thing you saw i mean i know you got to how well well number one i know you you did the wilbur hood run and you did the prisoner run how close were you to getting on stage and being like in the center of all that stuff when they did the prisoner run yeah so i would say um you know, of all the things I did that weekend, um, um, those two runs were definitely the biggest highlights, um, followed closely by, I think, some of the panels um, that I attended, which, um, you know, normally I'm not a panel guy and really 
have not won any lotteries before until this, this celebration. But let's talk about the two runs, which were similar and different in a lot of ways. Um, the prisoner run is the first inaugural run at celebration. And of course, we're talking about the, um, the prisoner, you know, breakout from Narkina five that was highlighted in the Andor TV series season one. Um, and probably somewhere close to 200 plus runners, um, wow. fairly easy costume to make or buy, um, and easy to wear. Um, and so there was, you know, very popular, uh, probably the most popular costume that I saw at celebration, you know, uh, myself included, um, and this was on Friday afternoon, and um, we gathered outside Celebration Stage right after the Andor panel. And some of the runners were already inside the Andor panel. I did my schedule just didn't allow me to make it in time for that. Um, but they were already inside during the panel, and the rest of us were basically just waiting um, uh, right outside the escalators uh, of the Celebration Stage, waiting for the other runners to come out. And uh, our run coordinators that already kind of discussed it with the, you know, the panel coordinators inside Lucasfilm and Repop to, um, you know, possibly have a picture on stage, uh, celebration stage after the panel. And um, so, you know, shortly after the panel concluded, they invited all of us in um, to take a picture on stage uh, together. And we were thrilled to have Tony Gilroy and Diego Lino join us for the picture. Amazing. And, uh, and I think there was a couple other panel members too. <coughs> <Excuse me. clears throat> join us for the uh, the photo. So it was um it was an amazing experience. Now uh, I will tell you, um, about a week or two before, I knew he was doing the run with me, um, and when he showed me what he was planning to do. Uh, my jaw dropped and I'm like, you are nuts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you are nuts. And like, if you're, if you're doing this, I can't wait to see it. And so he showed up a little bit before we went on stage, um, you know, as we were lining up and, you know, with our on program, uh, you know, on program lineups, um, you know, uh, in the, uh, the hall outside, he shows up with like the Death Star, sprocket piece that they're assembling in the prison <laughs> you know and i assume it's made of foam because he was actually literally carrying this thing and uh just to give you some context of this ross actually had just been suffering from food poisoning on his flight so he was dehydrated and sick on thursday night so he wasn't even sure he was going to make the run wow so he was resting most of the day so i wasn't even sure he was going to make it and uh but he showed up with this thing and all of a sudden everybody's attention in the main boulevard in celebration watching all these prisoner runners focuses in on Ross Cuddy and this huge sprocket and he's just turning around and of course you know Lucasfilm gets him on camera and all this thing I later I find out that you know we show up on like the main Facebook feed for starwars.com or in a bunch of yeah, Twitter, Twitter handles it was all over the internet man it was just like oh my god yeah and um you know so um he was, he came actually there in a wheelchair, um, um, you know, wheeled by his, his, his wife, Charmaine. And, uh, and I said, it's probably a good thing you came in this wheelchair. I know you're, you're probably fatigued and dehydrated. I, and I'm 
but how, how did you actually plan on carrying this thing around during the run? Um, you know, cause this is, it was, it's just bulky, even if it's not very, even if it didn't have a lot of weight, it's just very bulky and this thing is bigger than him. And, uh, you know, of course we got lots of, we got asked for, you know, he got asked for tons of photos in front of there. And then at some point he's just asked, he's like, you know, Charmaine can't stay for the run. Would you mind wheeling me around in the wheelchair during the run? And I said, well, it wasn't something I planned on, but sure, why not? <laughs> It'll be fun. Um, so, you know, I ended up, I, I, I was his, his attendant during the runs, which is a lot of fun um, because, uh, you know, I got to be in the photos, of course, as well um, with, you know, I don't know how many people took photos of us during, um, you know, that initial uh, gathering and then during the run itself. But, I, you know, it must have been like 200, 300 photos did that day and probably one of the most photographed things that, you know, was photographed at celebration that day. Um, so um, that was a ton of fun, you know, and literally, I think, I think a few people are in the side of the panel told me later, he's like, Oh my gosh, you guys were so loud out there with your one way out, one way out. It was like, everybody could hear you. And I'm pretty sure everybody at the celebration exhibit hall knew that run was happening because it was, it was loud there were that many people and it just had everybody's attention. And, um, yeah. So as soon as we came back out from the celebration stage, um, you know, we started the run, which I didn't think was going to be a real run, but people did really literally run and jog to the West entrance, uh, the front entrance of Excel and hang online now. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've been uh, trying to post this slowly over the last few days. So that was definitely, I think the biggest highlight for me at celebration, uh, to be a part of that run, um, and be a part of that with Ross, um, uh, during that, uh, have that experience. Um, the Wilro run, um, a bit smaller, um, than the Andor run. Um, that was on Saturday afternoon. Um, still a ton of fun. Uh, Florian, of course, led the, uh, the run again, uh, our founder, uh, you know, the Wilro Hood run. Um, what was cool about this run, and, you know, we made several stops, um, you know, I think to, you know, get some great photo ops for that, that particular run. Um, but there were two ice cream trucks actually in Excel in <laughs> indoor food halls. And so we actually had a little ice cream break uh, with a food truck there. And it was funny. We were all surrounded this ice cream truck yelling, ice cream, ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> they were like, oh, my God, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> I think it was and, like, and it... Yeah. It really it felt like there was a lot more if maybe not Wilro Hood but the ice cream theme and the I don't know how much of the swag that you headed last year and headed again this year played into that but it it felt like the ice cream theme has really started to take off in celebration. Yeah, for sure. I think people are, you know, if you know Wilro Hood hadn't make that whole ice cream thing familiar enough, I think our swag set is certainly um yeah, I I got the feeling a lot more people were keyed into our swag set this time. Um, I mean, I think something like eighty people completed the set. I mean, it was a smaller set, but still, that's a lot of people that were there was, to finish. Also, it. felt like there was an insane amount of swag at this celebration compared to Anaheim. Yeah, I would say overall it was probably less, but. Um, it's a lot more than I think most of the European celebrations have been used to. 
Um, and I think a lot of them, they're not used to making a lot of patch sets over there. Um, and so a, a lot of the attendees were telling me, it's like, I've never seen so many swag patches, um, you know, being given out at, at a celebration. And so it was, um, you know, definitely uh, for them, uh, a kind of a, a different a new experience. And uh, there were some amazing swag sets, um, you know, not just ours, our ice cream set. There's a great Rebel set that Tim and Sarah Arns um, coordinated. <laughs> Uh, that one killed me they actually uh i saw like a preview of that back when we did the summer social and yeah that what the calicori set man that was amazing that's the one set that's the only patch set i've ever seen that are like i've got to try to get that and I, i'm sure it was impossible because there was a lot of pieces to that thing yeah i'll say is and of course there's the brew patch set. the uh, twin sons brewery again had another iteration using mandalorian characters um, I will say that swag um, was a lot more difficult to to find people and trade with at this celebration. One, because of the crowds. There was no kind of collecting track social room. Um, and there was no, the fan booth area was very small. And so areas to actually swap and trade, you can't really trade in the middle of a huge crowd where you have no space. And right. so, you know, there were a few events, but again, for you to really kind of build in time to get to those events, you couldn't do it like it was like, oh, it's you know, five minutes from now. There's no way you would get there with those crowds. And um, so it was a lot more difficult. I ended up doing a lot of trading again before and after the event uh, during some of the collecting track swaps. Of course, we had our ice cream social on Sunday. Um and uh, just by the way, that ice cream social, I think we at one point had a line of about two to 300 people Wow! just where we were giving away, you know, you know, our, the, the swag stuff and helping people complete sets. This was near the, uh, you know, Norwich booth. Um, again, it was not a huge space and it was already crowded as it is. So to have a 200, 300 people just back and I couldn't even see these people. That's just someone was telling me it's like that line stretches way back there. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. I mean, I, I was just amazed that uh, that many people took interest in our set, and I uh, was glad that you know so many people were able to to complete it and uh, be inspired uh, for future um, future uh, projects. So, um, but yeah, I got a lot of great feedback. I think we were probably the most well distributed set at celebration. Um, and uh, a lot of people loved it. And, um, you know, I, I'm glad we decided to do a set. I think uh, you guys know that, you know, that wasn't a, a given and it was something that, you know, we got started on fairly late. And, yep. um, but I'm glad we were able to get it all together in time. So, yeah, it's your uh, project management of that patch set and Richard's designs that really, and it's just a fun set. And like someone yeah. was it, was it you, Glenn, that said, like, nobody wants kids to collect beer patches, but ice cream is something that everybody loves. It was somebody that we had on the on the podcast. I, I don't remember who. Or, but, I, no, it wasn't still. Jordan. No, I think it was, it might have been uh, Joel. But anyway. But uh, still, it was incredible. Still, yeah. It, it's a great patch. I think the Calicori set probably was probably the hardest one to track down because it was a, a lot of pieces. Um, but... Um, I want to move on a little bit. I still want to talk celebration, but we're we're 
getting close to an hour and we still need to talk Mandalorian. Um, how yeah, do you feel about talk it? about the panels at Celebration at the same time we talk about this, I think. Um, so we can weave that in. The, the, say that again, Ryan. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was going to say, we could talk about the panels at Celebration and we can weave that into, you know, discussion with the Mandalorian as well. So. All right. Cool. Yeah. Let's, um, I want to talk about it being in Tokyo or Japan next year. How do you, or in two years, how do you, are you going or is your plan to go or. I mean, my immediate response when they announced it was like, Oh, forget it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. it's hard enough to get here. And, uh, but that being said, it's two years away. There's, you know, I've never been to Japan. I'd love to go at some point. Um, there's obvious logistical hurdles. Um, it's a three-day event, which really, you know, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event um, over Easter. Um, oh, so it is Easter again. Great. It's Easter weekend, which doesn't matter so much in Japan, but more matters here. Right. A lot of people want that time off. Um, you know, so it's it'll be challenging to get that time and really – being Japan, you have to build in the travel time. So it's really, you have to take off time off of two weeks. Yeah. Um, so, but let, I, it's too early for me to really, you know, say yes or no, for sure. Um, I, I was a little disappointed. It's not a U.S. celebration in 2025. I was really hoping that it would be Orlando, um, you know, and, but, you know, it's, um, that being said, initially, my initial response to London was also, I was like, eh, not sure, but mm -hmm. I'm glad I went. Um, and, um, you know, as I'm, you know, you find a way to make it work. So right. it's, it's, it's not a clear note right now, but, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Right yeah. now, it, it, it will take some effort and uh, we'll, but it's two years away. Let's uh, right. think about it a little bit. Was there yeah. any, How long? It's uh, need some time to settle into the idea. Was there any <laughs> rumors of a, a U.S. based celebration after that? Not as far as I've, okay. I've heard. Right. Um, there was already rumors on the floor. I had heard the Japan rumor earlier in the weekend, and was not really sure if it was you know how how much of a, but you know it turned out to be true. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah that's um, I part of me is like it, it, it crap i'm upset not that upset i'm upset that it's not in orlando in 27 or 25 uh japan's a place i'd like to go to but yeah not for a celebration uh i'm also one of those people that i don't want to go a place that i can't speak the language you know i don't want to feel like out of not out of place but i don't i want to know what i'm say that again fish out of water Yes, exactly. I don't want to be fish out of water uh, when I travel. But my wife and I were talking, and we we're like, "Man, if it was in Australia, it would not be a. It would be a. Let's plan it or let's look into it. Japan is just like no way." Uh, but I, I also think that with COVID, and if you look at the way they kind of planned, Anaheim was supposed to be in 2020. Uh, 
Europe was going to be this year. I really think they was going to plan. They were they had a plan for an Orlando celebration in there that we missed out on because there were three years between our uh, Anaheim and and uh, England. There was time to throw an Orlando celebration in there that we missed out on. So that's one of the bummers. But truthfully, I think in seven in twenty seven, it's probably going to be Anaheim. But I'd be all right with that. It would suck, but you know, you make the trip if it's if they're going to do it. Yeah, I mean, 27 would be a big celebration because it's the 50th yeah. anniversary of, of Star Wars, of course. Um, you know, so it'd be interesting to know if, you know, what they have to. Then. But um, yeah, it's such a long time. And uh, yeah. especially the East Coast celebration now, it's it's a big period um, between those now. Yeah, I, I was messing with my wife and I'm like, what if I don't like Star Wars in five years or four years? And she just spit her drink out. <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> Yeah. burn all the rebels she was like let's sell your stuff now yeah yeah and, yeah. and you know what though I, it's i've learned not to get too upset about these things because as members of the collecting community now we've made so many friends that we've kind of grown beyond just celebration being our hangout yeah right so many great collector events that take place throughout the year and on off celebration years now that um it doesn't worry me too much that, you know, there's no domestic celebration for a while because I feel like we'll fill that gap. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and there's we've, we've, we've already have our community already. And, you know, we um, will find ways to make connections and meet up um, on, you know, and yeah. I think there's already been there's already been oh, some, yeah. some workings in that in that direction, um, as you both know. Um so yeah. um, it's um yeah it's not not too much of if I don't get to go to Japan it's not too big of a deal um because mm-hmm. I know uh there'll be other great places that I'll meet my friends um yeah. in the meantime so yeah I think after the crowds you know having an intimate personal experience at some sort of smaller event is more attractive That's I think sure. celebration is great but at the same time having something more breathable something you can relax at is great yeah, and I really have to say, and I know we wanted to keep going on to the panels and Mandalorian, but um, um, one of the great parts about Celebration is things after hours where it's much more intimate, much more of a smaller group setting. Um, you know, a lot of us met at the Novotel Bar. Um, you know, there was no big central hotel this time. So there's a lot of small hotels, so people are more spread out. But we did figure out, you know, one nice bar at the Novotel to kind of gather at each night. And it was a nice place to just kind of hang out afterwards and not deal with the massive crowd, you know, all day long. Um, so that, that was nice. Um, and again, like I said, I think those are the things I was really looking forward to, um, you know, were those places where you could actually literally talk and breathe and actually yeah. just relax and hang out. And uh, those are for me, the best parts of celebration. <clears throat> yep. So, uh, so Mandalorian. Yeah, let's talk about Mandalorian. I have bullet points, so I'm not going line by line. So we can keep this brief. But uh, the title was called "The Spies," but we only saw one spy, which was no surprise to anyone, Aliyah Kane, at the beginning, which was an incredible Blade Runner looking scene. Uh, who's the other spies, dude? Everybody. Absolutely. There's so many rumors. <laughs> I mean, th- go ahead. 
Yeah, there's no, two. there's three. There's three possibilities. There's axe wolves. There's the armorer, and then I'm also hearing the guys on the boat. Yeah, I'm hearing those three possibilities. So I don't think it's the armorer or axe wolves, just because um, Gideon looks so surprised to learn that the Mandalorians are being a pain in the butt again. Because if it was one of the Mandalorians themselves spying, it would have been. He would have been notified of that already. So I think it's the recruits that they get on Mandalore. Is it's almost like Gideon's like, go get those people, bring them to me for this trap we're going to set. Yeah, I that's my best thought. Though I'm still a little bit wondering about the armor um, because of how things kind of came into play afterwards. She does a very quick turnabout in accepting Bo-Katan into her kind of clan, um, you know, which she never really had a very positive opinion of her before. And all of a sudden she puts her on this direction of a mission. You know, they just came to Navarro. They just settled in. And she's like, now we have to take Mandalore and we have to find this forge, you know, the, the, the old forge on Mandalore. And it's like, it seems very convenient. Um, you know, all of a sudden we're moving the fleet out of here. We're just kind of settled into a new planet, but now we're going to go here. And she also conveniently is not with that group. She's headed back towards the fleet, you know, not, not going to the ambush. Um, so I wonder about her, but I think, yeah, the, the new people that were on the boat that they met on Mandalore seemed highly suspicious because they also knew where the old forge was. How would they not know that Moff Gideon had already set up a base there? Yeah. Um, so it's, um, yeah, we'll see. There's definitely something a traitor in the midst, for right. sure. I would have it's issues. Not, I, there, I mean, there could be more than one too. Yes, that's true. I would have issues with the armor being a traitor because of that's just not how she's been set up. She kicked the ass of stormtroopers in the first season. It's just like that was a little too convenient for me. The, I, I think the main thing that's making her a a one of the topping ta- talking points is the fact that both her and Moth Gideon have horns on their helmets. Yeah. yeah, I think there's been some talk that she's actually Rook cast, which is a Clone Wars character um, that had a similar, you know, was part of Maul's kind of Dark Maul's kind of faction. Um, and so, yeah, you wonder where her loyalties really are. But um, yeah, it's that you have to kind of her actions so far have not shown that she seems disloyal at this point. But uh, maybe it's a bit of a misdirection each way to make you suspect that, though. Um, but we'll see. It should be an interesting yeah. episode. Um, I should let you guys know that uh, quite a few people who were attendees of the Lucasfilm panel on Thursday, on Friday, not I wasn't one of the lucky ones, but they actually were allowed to see that episode early um, Friday afternoon um, at yeah. uh, Celebration. So they had seen it, and I know Daniel had seen it, and he yep. said, that I think people will be very happy that Mandalorian was back on track after that previous week's episode. Yeah, he messaged um, everyone and said, "Keep faith alive." Yeah, so they just saw six. They have, or they just saw the seven. one that's already yeah, there. They, they haven't seen the finale. They just saw the this the one that we just saw Wednesday. Yeah. Wow. The uh, the meat of this episode, the juice was uh, the Shadow Council. I devoured this scene and I loved it so much. And there's several reveals. First of all, this is our first. Live action, um, Admiral Pelion, which is from Heir to the Empire. He was the second in command for Thrawn. And and I love the fact that here he is. He's advocating for Thrawn. Thrawn is coming back. 
and Gideon's getting tired of it. He's like, you've been promising this for so long. I want to be, I want to be the one in charge. And so some of the things that I theorize is happening in the scene, uh, Brendel Hawks was played by Domhnall's Gleason's brother. Yes. And he is Armitage Hawks, which we saw in the sequel trilogy. Uh, that's his father. So, um, uh, they he's in charge of Project Necromancer, which is you know necromancy is bringing people back from the dead. So I would assume it's a project bringing the emperor back. Um, this this part really made the Rise of Skywalker a little bit better for me because I had trouble adjusting to Hux's turn in that to be a traitor spy. I was just like that doesn't seem like the character, especially when you see his rage in the Force Awakens. It was tough, but here you know if. Project Project Necro and it, and it enhanced Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, I think that it's amazing to see again. I was excited when um, there's mention of Thrawn and Captain Pelion and uh, making those tie-ins again with both Heir to the Empire and, of course, Pelion. I think we saw him in Rebels as well. Yeah, it was a quick scene. Um, and, uh, so it's great that they're kind of moving in that direction. I'm sure it'll be a little different than the Timothy Zahn novel. So far, there's no indication that there's any Mara Jade, um, uh, character is, is planned, but we'll see. Um, but it was great to see the Shadow Council and, and finally we could see that something bigger is happening behind the scenes. Yeah. Proof it's what's actually happening. So. And, and they set up in the episode with Pershing on on Coruscant, um, he explains what he was trying to do, insert genes into subjects. And it, the reveal was, I, I always assumed Gideon was trying to bring back the Emperor. I thought that's why he wanted Grogu. He's looking for genes to help make Snoke or clone the Emperor or whatever. Now I'm wondering if, because later in the episode, he's saying, uh, Gideon was saying he's trying to aggregate the best in each, the Empire, the Jedi, the Mandalorians. I'm wondering if he's trying to insert some sort of force-sensitive gene into himself and become the next emperor because we do see him make a play to lead the empire. That's a good point. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I see Gideon as being quite an opportun no, opportunist and kind of trying to gain power for himself and clearly seeing the void where Thrawn is not there right now and he's trying to kind of take control of his council yeah. uh, to some degree. So couple other things I wanted to hit. Bo-Katan reveals how she lost the Darksaber. Um, that made yeah, sense to me. It did. Um, it, it's a throwaway line. You know, here, here we go, and we're going to explain everything in a throwaway line. So I was fine with that. In some ways, it makes her a little more sympathetic, too, though. Yeah. Um, you know, that, you know, she didn't just, you know, she she was doing this for her people. And to help save her people, and she was still betrayed, and uh, you know, gives her that little extra motivation, um, you know, and the fact that she was not able to share that until now, um, you know, that basically everybody judged her for essentially being a coward mm -hmm. um, in losing the dark saber, but she really did it, you know, as a self sacrifice to some degree. Um, IG12, what'd you think of IG12? My number one thought is, is like, how long is Baby Yoda going to be able to fit in that thing? Oh man! <laughs> I, I I thought it was. I, a little this weird. is like continuation of Baby Yoda cuteness type overload. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what to think of IG twelve just now. I, of course, we've seen the uh, 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comparisons um, oh, yeah. already. But it's funny. It's almost like they telegraphed it because, you know, when you look at those initial scenes of IG-11 wearing that backpack with Grogu in it, it's just like they replaced <laughs> the backpack with a hollow unit. Um, you know, so anyway, I, I mean, it's fine. Um, it's nice to seem a little bit more mobile. Um, yeah. And be able to involve a little more, but... Um, Speaking of foreshadowing, uh, Din says to Bo-Katan, your song is not written yet and I will serve you until it is. And which means I will serve you until you die. Which I'm like, well, is that what's going to happen next week? Oh, how far do we want to go into this? Uh, not too far. Let's just keep it surface level because we still haven't done the news. Oh, wait. wait what's going to happen next week? Din's Bo-Katan gonna is going to get killed. I don't think Bo-Katan is oh. going to get killed. No, they've built her up too much in this season to have that happen yet. I hope not. I'd I be think disappointed. I'd, I'd be. I think it'd be awesome if she gets killed, and when we drop this, it'll be released the next day. The the, the season finale. She gets killed, and um, although I kind of feel like she's going to be the one to ride the uh, mythosaur, but then Din jumps on the mythosaur and just destroys the empire. I've got a feeling we haven't seen the last of the mythosaur number one. And right, that, and I just feel like it's her arc isn't it's too, it's too early for that arc to close yet. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. I'm not sure where they're going with it. I feel like it's it's going to end on a cliffhanger the way it's going. Yeah, maybe not a good ending. Um, they're so going to Empire Strikes Back us on this season. Yeah, yeah I, I think the first two seasons ended on happy endings, and this one I don't feel will. Mm-hmm. Um, so but we'll see. Yeah, I think Gideon's gonna get that dark saber back. No, um, he's not. No, I <laughs> you're putting it on the wrong person, Jason. <laughs> you're putting it on the wrong person. I don't think she's she's not the one that doesn't survive or doesn't make it out. We'll see. I think it's Din. I think Din's the one he, he's gonna end in handcuffs. I don't no. think they're gonna kill him, but they're gonna write him off for a little bit. No, no, no. I've heard rumors for the past year or two that they're changing this. No, no, in the, no. Din's going to die, Bo's going to die, and Sabine's going to take the dark saber next week. There you go. Let's go, man. I just watched that episode of Rebels this morning. Oh, it's so awesome. All right, take a deep breath, sir. Saber. Keep it surface level. I'll add, oh, I'll add, that was I'll such add a my episode. two cents in there that Rick Famiyama, um at the panels did mention that the title, The Mandalorian, may not necessarily refer yes. to one person. Yeah. I get it. Gotta wonder. Sorry, you can't hear my clapping because Zoom cuts it out. You you gotta wonder whether Din is going to take a backseat for a bit, um, and he's going to be the one that needs to be rescued um, later. Um, So we'll see. And I and I say that because there's too much. I don't know if Pedro Pascal is just too busy, and they decided to uh, lift Katie Sackoff into the the role, but she's been doing way too much press, and they've been pushing her. And they've had her at Disneyland. And if 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 somebody's doing press for the Mandalorian, it's Katie Sackoff. So are they trying to mess with us? Or you know, they're they're doing too much with Katie Sackoff. Um Pedro's also awesome. uh, just incredibly huh? busy. Yeah. But you don't need necessarily Pedro. You just need him to do right. voice. Yeah. Um, so it's a day in day or two. He's not even on set. Yeah. I mean, a lot um, of the, the stunts are made done by those two other guys. So he hasn't been in the suit all year, all season. Yeah. He, he's very rarely yeah. in the suit. I, I truly, I think we're going to see him this coming up episode because they're going to take his suit off and he'll be in chains or something. 
he'll be in bondage some kind of way. Um, I think we'll see Pedro Pascal in this episode, but that's the only time we're ever going to see him. It's got to be an easy paycheck for him because all he does is show up for two days and, and does audio recording. But Pedro Pascal is the Mandalorian. It's he's synonymous with it. He's a household name now because of it. Like, don't don't shoot that golden goose. I don't think they're going to shoot it, but they're going to put it on the back burner for uh, for about half a season. Yeah, I think he'll be like Han and Carbonite for a bit. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I yeah, can see that's, that. Yeah. And, uh, and truthfully, the way that they modulate his voice and stuff, he can do that on a computer, do that over Zoom. He doesn't need to be in necessarily, a, a, you know, Disney, the studios to do that. Two more two more bullet points. Let's go. Stormtroopers in Beskar armor. I thought that was awesome. And do we have a new Darth Vader? Uh, I think we got a new Boba Fett and a new... Uh, well... Because if you look at the concept art of Boba Fett compared to those super troopers, the white, it's just the chest piece is exact. I mean, it is a it, and they they put a uh, clone trooper type T visor in the helmet. They made the helmet more clone trooper than Mandalorian, but it's a direct ripoff, of, not a direct, a direct uh, homage to the original art of Boba Fett. Those stories. are there people in those suits? Do we know? Or are those were those dark troopers? Though? He called them dark trooper armor. Or the evolution, the next evolution of the Dark Trooper, but I assumed it was people in there. He went through those that 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 little gate of you know of laser, you know, before he went to the Shadow Council, and they were just kind of standing there. So I wondered if they were Dark Troopers or their actual yeah. troopers. But, but yeah, y'all are missing what else? What what else did he walk by when he on his way to the Shadow Counselor? Yeah, he a bunch of vats of clones or something. Yeah. Right. Maybe Snoke, but. I don't think I think they were the people that were inside of the suits. So are they clones? That's Possible. Um, you know, that's kind of. You think we're going to get Rekka? Heir to the Empire. Um, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And then uh, oh. oh, I was going to say, like, yeah. The, what the first thing I thought of when those they made their appearance was like, are these the uh, the what am I thinking of the 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 super commandos? Yeah, uh, and were those are those the ones that were loyal to him? Because then initially I was like they're wearing white. I'm like, are those the super commandos? But then you see that they're troopers. Yeah, uh, me too. Because they, they they are very similar to those for to that that uh, clan of Mandalorians. And of course, the huge prequel tie-ins with the Praetorian Guards making their appearance um, as well. So yeah, I was going to bring that up. The last stand of Paz Vizsla and the Last Jedi. I thought. I thought Paz Vizsla was awesome. I think it, at one point I'm like, is this a little too much? Is he a little too super soldier? But if the Mandalorians are such an enemy for the Empire, if it's if they really need to squash them and put them down, you have to show that they are 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 capable of of putting up a fight and really being a threat to the Empire. And so I thought that really sold that point. Yeah. But then when those Praetorian guards came out. I was like, oh, yeah, even there's slow motion. It was like, here they come to clean up. Uh, mm -hmm. That was my son's favorite scene from The Last Jedi. He loves those characters. And he was like, you know, really happy to see the three Praetorian guards come out, even at the end of the episode, because they kill Paz Vizsla and then they just kind of walk off and then it, the credits roll. And he, he goes, oh, I hope they make Funkos of that. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> 
No. Dude, I love the, the Praetorian Guard. That, everybody <laughs> poo-poos on, on The Last Jedi or whatever movie that's in, but that's one of my favorite lightsaber battles is Rey and and Kylo versus those guys, those guards. That's one of my favorite lightsaber battles. Yeah, and I think um, that's kind of been an area of um, Star Wars lore that hasn't been explored a lot in film um, is the, you know, Imperial Guards, Senate Guards, Royal Guards, Praetorian Guards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Crimson Empire explored it in, you know, the EU. Uh, um, but um, you wonder whether that could be an area of exploration as well, because we've certainly, they, and they're, they're kind of one of these, you know, after the Mandalorians, they're one of these elite kind of super soldier, yeah. uh, um, you know, groups. And I wonder uh, if, if they are Mandalorians. I don't think they are. Um, you know, I no. think some of them are like force sensitive, like the Shadow Guard and things like that. But um, I think it's just a different culture. But it's, um, and I think it's, they're recruited to be part of that rather than being their own kind of culture, per se. Awesome. Right. Uh, I think I already talked about Ahsoka last week. Maybe I can't remember. If we we can talk about Ahsoka again. Yeah, I've got care. news where I'm going to fly through real quick, but let's talk about these. Well, Ahsoka hold on one second, one second before, because I want to bring. OK, so and I want to put this on tape because I think there's going to be two ways this thing ends. I've got two post credit scenes in this thing here. Jason's going to love these. Sabine. It's the it's the epilogue of Rebels. You're going to see the, ep- the the last half of the epilogue of Rebels. Yeah. Or you're going to see. Sabine. Grogu. Well, you're going to see Sabine in that. Or you're going to see Grogu. He's going to go meditate. You're going to see a scene of him meditating and nobody comes to the rescue, a la Luke, in the second episode. But you're going to see a him. Shoot, hold on. Let me get my thoughts together. You're going to see him meditate and you're going to see Ezra wake up in the world between worlds. No, shut up. Leading into Ahsoka. Sorry, sorry you for talking about the epilogue of Mandalorian. I think it's going to lead. I think the epilogue of Mandalorian is going to lead into Ahsoka. I'm pretty sure it will. Um, maybe not. And that those direction. are the two ways. Say that again, Ryan. I have an, a different thought there. I think it's going to be more with Thrawn. Um, or but- it could be Thrawn. I I, I think I, that them showing Thrawn, Hera, and Sabine in celebration ruins the reveal in Mandalorian. I don't think they'll be revealed in Mandalorian. I don't um, think they're going to be revealed. With them showing them in Celebration, they're not going to be revealed in Mandalorian. No world between worlds. Dude, uh, okay. something that was revealed at Celebration that the public, most of the public didn't see. It has been leaked, obviously, but um, I do think we may get a glimpse of Thrawn um, at the end of Mandalorian, um, possibly. Um, and... Maybe not a full, you know, front view, but I think we will see Thrawn pulling the strings somehow. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, um, but yeah, I would love to talk about the Ashoka trailer and Ashoka panel, which again was a huge, huge moment at celebration. Yeah. If you guys have an yeah, go for it. I yeah, said. let's discuss it because I want to get it. I want to talk a little bit about it because then I've got something that's going to piss Jason off too. So, if you say world between worlds, I'm off the show. No, I'm joking. <laughs> well, actually, before we get into it, somebody did. There is a, a quick interview with uh, Dave Filoni, and somebody asked him, "How much Rebels do you need to watch to be to know what's going on in Ahsoka?" And he said, "Go to season four, watch Jedi Knight." <laughs> he disappeared, started Jedi Knight, and finished watching it. And what is comes after Jedi Knight, Jason? 
Sabine. No, it's not World Sabine. Between Worlds. World Between Worlds. Anyways, go ahead, Narayan. What did you think of, because you were in the panel, you saw the trailer. What, what was your impression? Yeah, so um, I was. I didn't see the panel in the celebration stage, but in the galaxy stage, which was the second streaming panel. Um, but no less buzz in that room. Um, in fact, I think probably the most anticipated panel of celebration, um, you know, for most people. And um, amazing to see the new cast. And um, I was a bit surprised um, that the, the new characters were revealed. I don't think I had heard about them. Maybe there was some leak ahead of time about who they were. But, um, you know, and I went into this panel uh, just seeing the trailer that was revealed at the Lucasfilm panel the day before. And of course, the two big reveals for me, the two new dark four Caesars, um, you know, Balon Scott, I can't, can't remember the names now, Score, Balon Score. Um, and they're named Skull. after two mythic Skull. wolves from whatever, where's that Norse god wolves or something? They take those. Their names from those two wolves. Yeah, Skull Shin, and Haiti. Yeah, and Shin Hati, I guess, is the other. Yeah. And uh, I assume they're together, uh, like a master and apprentice type thing. And I uh, also heard maybe that the Shin was a night sister, possibly. Um, but it that, to me, was a big reveal that I didn't anticipate um, seeing other Force users in Ahsoka. Um you know, as part of this plot, but um, really throws a wrench into a lot of things. Um, and um, so we got to see both those new actors on stage, as well as Morgan Elspeth, which we were introduced to in the Mandalorian um, Ahsoka episode. And uh, she seems to play a huge part in this new series as well. Um, and of course, the huge new reveal at the very end of the panel, um, we did get to see an extended trailer longer than the one that most of the public saw on Friday uh, and they revealed that Grand Admiral Thrawn would be played by Lars Mikkelsen himself, uh, the voice of Thrawn from Rebels. And he came out on stage uh, to the audience to huge cheers. Um, and, you know, just a great moment um, mm -hmm. to see that he was going to be live action Thrawn. And, um, but uh, of course, Mary Elizabeth Winstead again confirmed um we, most of us already knew that was going to happen, but just to see her on stage um, and the chemistry that the three main female leads had, um, mm. you know, uh, Sabine, uh, you know, Natasha, um, Rosario and, um, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead um, clearly feel that, that chemistry between them. Um, hey, real quick. Everybody. Do, you, do you, everybody knows who uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is married to? Hello there. Hello there. So, Jason, you must be really jealous of her. Yes. <laughs> Incredibly. She's a uh, yeah, she's great. Perfect casting. I can't wait to see how she, uh, you know, tackles her old era. Uh, and of course, and I, I didn't mention, but Chopper came on stage as well, which is great. Womp, uh, womp, womp. So, yeah, they uh, did that last year too, and it took my brain oh. a second to realize what I was seeing because it was like, oh crap. Yeah, and it looks like all of the complaints that people had about like the appearances of Ahsoka, including her Leku, her you know her yeah her Leku, the length of her Leku, and all they've kind of taken all that to heart, and the technology has caught up, has caught mm -hmm. up to what you know they're able to do 
Um, so she's able to be more um, uh, active in that, that whole makeup um, this time as compared to what we saw in, in the Mandalorian. Um, but yeah, let's talk about, um, you know, the new footage um, that was revealed. Um, so you, most of us have probably seen the trailer, mm -hmm. you know, and there's clearly reference to Heir of the Empire and Thrawn. And um, what we got to see in the panel was Thrawn from the front. Mm -hmm. So clearly you could see Lars Mikkelsen with the, with the blue makeup and the red eyes. Um, and I believe the shot that we see Morgan Elsbeth is on the same bridge that we see Thrawn. Mm -hmm. so they yes, must be the same bridge or the same, you know, um, area of the ship talking to each other. Um, a lot more shots of Sabine, um, this time handling uh, Ezra's light, green lightsaber. Um, don't know exactly where that was, but there are definitely shots of her on Lothal. You can clearly see, you know, the, the large kind of um, antenna complex on Lothal that she's standing on. And the, yeah, there there are shots that mirror rebels in yeah, that trailer. The ship that Ahsoka arrives in on is, is the same, um, and you see the the grassy lands <laughs> of, of Lothal's plains, and uh, you see her on a speeder um, as well. And there's a, yeah. an area where I think it's uh, you know there's a large explosion. I don't know if that's I believe that Lothal as well that you see that. Hey, um, hey, Jason, what does that look like? What does that look like, Jason? You're excited about this. That speeder, the E-wing, yes, the E-wing e was there. We, I saw it. I found it on TikTok. I know I forwarded it to you, Jason. So I don't know if you had a chance to watch it because it was yeah, yeah. taken down really quick. Yeah, I saw it. The E-wing was there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was the, the Sabine, and I think we. I don't believe the Sabine full armor reveal was in the trailer, but it was shown as a photo still. Um, yeah. That leaked as well. Yeah, and and yeah. clearly, her style changes a few times um, in the uh, um, in in some of the stills as compared to what the shots that we see in the trailer. So, um, yeah. But, so I don't know the length of period that we're seeing this show, but um, clearly, there's enough time for Sabine to have different hairstyles um, and from one to another shot. I, I think there's going to be multiple time jumps in this uh, season, yeah. but not world jumps. Oh, I think there's going to be world jumps. Almost, what do you think? She cuts funny, the whole thing. Um, the, the initial place that you see um, Ahsoka in the trailer where she you know, cuts uh, a ring and falls into like an underground area, uh, I thought that was initially going to be the rem, you know, remnants of the temple in Lothal, but I'm not sure it is. It may be a different place altogether um, because you know, I think she clearly encounters some of the dark Jedi in that area. Um, or dark, you know, dark force users, and so there was very little reveal about the world between worlds in that trailer. Um, and I don't know if that's a little misdirection, um, but it, I didn't see it there. Um, and uh, um, it's you know it left me wondering exactly which way, which direction the show is going. Um, that clearly they're trying to convince the New Republic that there's a threat. You clearly see Mon Mothma. Uh, and it looks like that, that was cool. Tara on Hull One, you know, basically testifying or something, or basically trying to alert people of the, um, you know, the danger. Um, so it, I love how they're tying together a lot of these different shows you know, and/or in the characters. You, know, you see Genevieve O'Reilly again in that trailer um, for for Ahsoka, and uh, 
again, I feel like there's a lot more crossover in it now with the announcement of the Dave Filoni movie, you know, that will end the Mandoverse. Um, you can see it all kind of, you know, building together. And I love that that's happening. Um, yeah. It's kind of, you know, Star Wars cinematic universe or Mando cinematic universe that's kind of been building with these multiple shows and they're tying it together. And I see, I assume we'll see, I'm really hoping we see Bo-Katan crossover into the Ahsoka show. Um, I'm hoping we see Captain Rex, maybe Tamira Morrison will be there. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll see Boba Fett again. Um, uh, I'm actually, I'm real surprised we hadn't seen Ahsoka or Boba Fett in Mandalorian yet. In this season yeah, of Mandalorian. And maybe it's because they're busy um, handling some things that we haven't been shown yet. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Um, but um, I'm glad that things are kind of not disparate projects that they're all thinking. Yeah, it's one universe. Yeah, right. One and I did miss the, I've not yet had a chance yet to see any clips of the Andor season two trailer. Um, I know that was shown, um, but I have not seen any online yet. Um, but um, uh, I've had a lot of time to really research this, but I do know that that was shown. There hasn't been a lot of buzz um, post-celebration about it, but um, I don't know if you guys have had the chance to see it or not. But no, I haven't. It shown. No, nothing's uh, leaked. To, yeah. Um, I've been too focused on Ahsoka. Yeah, but yeah, clearly brought the house down and, um, you know, loved, loved seeing all the, the new um, iterations that we're going to see. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait. It, it definitely feels like Rebels. Um, it definitely feels like a uh, continuation of that story. And uh, the last shot of that, that trailer actually is Ahsoka and Sabine coming in in their ship and you see a large creature, which initially was like, is that an Exegorth? Um, you know, the creature that comes out of the asteroid and then pressure expect, but it's, it's a Pergil. Um, look at it more closely. And uh, so they're clearly going to where the Pergils are. Uh, and we already hit those. Those have already been hinted at in the Mandalorian. Um, so you wonder if they have a home world somewhere or a place that they kind of settle. Um, and that's where Ezra is. Um, mm. That's where we're going to find him. We do see a small glimpse of Ezra in a holographic image. Uh, not enough to get you know a lot of detail, uh, but clearly Sabine is thinking about him. Um, and so, yeah, it's um, there's a lot to be excited about. I can't wait to see oh, yeah. where they go. We, we got four is, months. Is how many episodes that Ahsoka is going to be? Uh, maybe is eight. Is I thought it was six, but okay. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure if they even mentioned it at the uh, the panel. Um, yeah, I don't know. Six, they better be boom, boom, boom. There better not be any filler in six episodes. Um, It, it looked very epic in scope. Too. Yeah. It felt like the images they showed in that trailer just were like, they. it didn't feel like a small show. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but it was, it was amazing. Um. But yeah, great panel. I, and I actually, all the panels I went to at Celebration were amazing. Um, the Bad Batch panel was great. Um, third and final season. Third and final season was announced. And, um, you know, uh, it was great to see the main cast, um, you know, talk about the last season, especially, you know, some of the big events like Echo, uh, not Echo, um, Tech, uh, you know, 
And uh, it was it was Dee Bradley Baker's great switching between voices during that panel. And it was great to see Michelle Ang in live, in, in you know, on a live stage. Omega! It just sounds exactly like Omega. Um, <laughs> it's amazing to see her and hear her. Um, but yeah, the, the, the glimpses that we saw, I did see uh, Fennec Shan and Captain Wolf featured in that trailer. Uh, a Kraken-like creature and Palpatine basically arriving on Mount Tantus. So they're clearly playing up that whole clone emperor, um, you know, building to that. And I think we'll see more of that in both the Mandalorian, obviously, and in Ahsoka. Uh, and, you know, tying that together with the Thrawn, which, of course, we all, a lot of us who are familiar with the EU know about Mount Tantus and, yep. and uh, the Air to the Empire story um, and where that's going. So they're, can, they're definitely, you know, putting all those pieces in place. Uh, through various projects, and again, it shows that they're they know what they're doing. They are 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 definitely you know these multiple projects in different timelines. They they're dropping in the, the pieces in place to set up a bigger arc. So, um, one of my other favorite panels, I know this is, was was the Obi Wan panel, by the way, which um, they never really had a chance to talk about in. Anaheim because the show was airing then and to finally see the main cast of Obi-Wan talk about it and all the great moments from that show and not have to worry about secrets that they couldn't reveal to the public was amazing um mm -hmm. see Vivian Lyra Blair who's just a sweetheart um you know just talk about her role as Leia um was amazing and to see you and, and Hayden talk about that scene you know that final duel between them on that asteroid or that that moon um to see them both talk about that scene how much it meant in their journey together both as actors how they got to that point and uh you know how much emotion both of them showed in that scene and right there in that hall when they talked about it um it was just amazing to watch and uh it, even though it was a retrospective panel nothing new was revealed um I thought that was one of the best panels at Celebration, uh, at least that I got to experience, um, because of how, um, I think how, um, how invested they were both, even you know, all of those actors were, or were in bringing that to life. So, um, and I think they finally got a chance to talk about it, um, which, you know, it was, it was a funny time for them to, you know, when the show was just airing and celebration was just happening, they could only talk so much about it. But really, now it a year later, they could you know fully go into it. So yeah, be open. So as far as the news, uh, just wanted to mention one thing real brief. There was a live stream last night in the Micro Machine Action Fleet Micro Galaxy Squadron Facebook group with Maxwell Lux, the senior brand manager for that line, and he did say that there is another. Starfighter class reveal coming up for the last Mon Mando Mania reveal. Uh, it's going to be revealed by John and John Favreau and Dave Filoni themselves. And they said that uh, uh, they took this vehicle home with them. Gosh, I wonder what that ship could be. So I look forward to seeing the ghost real soon in the Micro Galaxy <laughs> line. By the way, I missed that panel completely. What was revealed? I know he Max did show me some new vehicles. Um, he even, well, I won't. I'll stop there. B wing, <laughs> U wing, 
a T70, a Y-Wing, a V-Wing, a TIE Silencer, a Desert Skiff, a Geonosin Starfighter, uh, um, twin, twin Cloud Pilot, Resistance A-Wing. Um, did they show the N? Did you mention N1? Did they show the N1? They showed that the N1 was coming, but they didn't say if it, I don't think they said if it was the Mando version, which I, I would assume it is, or the... Uh, well, it's silver, so I would assume it was Mando. The U-Wing, um, an AT-AT, AT-AT, Imperial Walker, but then there's an Endor version with mud on it. You get to see, I was one of the first people to see the AT-AT on the floor um, before it actually was even put there. Uh, I saw the Imperial Shuttle um, as well. and uh, But yeah, a lot of it was kind of behind frosted glass for, yeah. before it was actually revealed. Um, but... Um, yeah, Max was very generous. Um, <laughs> Max is awesome. Very generous. Yeah. And uh, I have some surprises for you guys. Um, awesome. I think I already told you, actually. But, um, uh, he, he gave gave me some of the exclusives and a couple couple other vehicles I did not expect him to give me as well. Um, but uh, it was it was uh, Max um, was also a big fan of our swag set. He's like, yeah. yeah Said, don't worry, I'll, I'll get you the exclusives and uh, you give me some swag. <laughs> nice. I'll take care of them next I, time. I think Max may be the new um, new uh, swag, swag addict that we've. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate how open he is because he was talking about how expensive it is to make the master tools for this line. And to be profitable, you just have to use it to the max, which is why, no, no pun intended. But why you have to have six different lats because it's just it's expensive, and so we have to you have to repaint to make money, right? That's why they've released three different versions of the Millennium Falcon, and that's why they keep hitting the tie thing over and over again. It's just what they got to do. But the tie thing is they're all different ties. It's not like they're keep repainting the tie, except for Sabine's right. Tie Fighter. Um, you know they but don't the keep repainting it. It's always, same. I mean, right? Part could be the same, and the other parts could be different. It's not carbonized. There you go. Our, our smart repaints. I, I like credit They're handling their repaints as compared, you know, yeah. to. They did a giveaway office. at the end, and I, I won something. Max said, I'm going to get you something from my office. And I'm like, okay, whatever. It could be just a paper clip. <laughs> be, <laughs> we'll see. But so did, did, did a lot of people win something or just you? There was four people. He had a first shot of Cobb Vanth. Oh wow! He gave away the Munlist um, lat. He said this is the first one to come off the line. He gave that away. Um, he gave away the the blind box, the the gun that hovers with the stormtrooper. Uh -huh. he, he had that on his desk. He gave that away, and then he's like, "I'm just going to give away something from my office." And because he was on our podcast, I was able to answer the question, and th that's how I won that one. So, oh well, maybe and, I should have tuned in. I was watching Marvelous Mrs. Maisel last night, and then we went to bed. I probably should have. I was watching the Marvelous Maxwell Lux. Yeah, <laughs> um, I do have to gripe a little bit about. I um, no, not this has nothing. It it's Micro Galaxy Squadron, but it's not Micro Galaxy Squadron. It's pre order stuff because I pre ordered all that like the um, first order Tie Fighter and Poe Dameron's X Wing months ago on Amazon. And they're like re-releasing them or coming back up for pre-order. So I go to pre-order them and I'm like, oh man, I can't pre-order them. And then I realized I ordered them months ago. So I can see how people would get upset with the uh, pre-order process. Yeah. 
I do have to say, um, switching gears from Micro Galaxy, but um, I was pleasantly surprised by the uh, Mando M1 Starfighter uh, seeing it in person. Um, it looks amazing, um, very well detailed, and the price point surprised me. Um, yeah. 130, that looks like a, a deal, as a steal. Um, it, it has a lot of detail and a lot of features that um, uh, I wasn't, was not expecting. And uh, it, it looks great in person. Um, awesome. And uh, it's, you know, um, I could see how it could have been a HasLab, and I'm glad that it wasn't. Yeah. Um, and again, I was expecting that to be close to $200. Um, and for it to be on the 30, um, and I mean, yeah, it is more expensive than vehicles from a few years ago, but still the figure too. Yeah. I was hoping it had a Peli figure. That's the only disappointment I had there, but, um, the packaging looks great. The, the vehicle looks great with the interchangeable, um, you know, dome and droid compartments. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it looks, looks like a very cool ship and very faithful, uh, to the uh, the show and uh, you know nice weathering, nice detail uh, to it. So um, yeah, I, I I loved seeing that on display there, and uh, um, yeah, look forward to getting that. Awesome, awesome. Well, well I'm uh, holding out for the uh, other Haslab that is supposed to be released. It's a little surprise that they did not announce, but. Um, that seems to be their MO is that we're going to announce that there's a HasLab to get you ready to start saving. And then we're going to announce it later down the road, but you know, they have something May 4th. So that'd be a perfect oh, opportunity dude. to announce something. Yeah. I was hoping to see a glimpse of the ghost during the Ahsoka trailer. I'm surprised they did not, but we got they, to see the Phantom three, the Phantom two, which is okay, but did we see it? Yeah, yeah, that's what Hera was driving when she was chasing that. It looked like a bullseye target. When you see Chopper, you see Chopper. You see the Phantom Three, the Phantom Two, then you see Chopper, then you see Hera. Oh, I see. Okay, I'll also look back again. I, you, clearly, I haven't had enough time to analyze every single thing from Celebration. Yeah, or you're you're, you're just unwinding. not a Rebels nerd like some of us. <laughs> no, he's still unwinding from Celebration. <laughs> he just got back from international travel. Yeah, in a tornado. Packed to the yep. walls. Anyways, as uh, George Lucas once said, thank you for listening to the Smuggler's Galaxy podcast. If you could, please leave a like and a five-star review of the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If it's allowed, it really helps us out and helps people find our show. You can follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Send us an email or message us. We love feedback, and we love to make you part of the show. And Ryan, this was your sixth appearance on the Smuggler's Galaxy podcast. I just did the math. Um, <laughs> our email... So you, you're a five-timer. We need to get you a jacket. Our email address <laughs> is smugglersgalaxy at gmail.com. Thank you to Alfonso Riviera for the Smugglers Galaxy logo. You can find him at Rock the Force Podcast. And thank you to Levi Waterhouse for the Smugglers Galaxy music. Hasbro re-released VC66. Hashtag vote with your wallet. Sabine will be on next week. Pass on what you've learned. Be a positive force <laughs> in the collecting community. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.